Hello, and welcome to the Plant Doctor Show. We have got 36 days and 12 hours until spring actually hits. So uh, it's out there and it's coming around. But uh, before we get into uh, really talking about springtime, there is something a little bit more important that we needed to cover. And uh, I will say this for the benefit of the guys out there who do not remember such dates. Next Tuesday is Valentine's Day. Don't forget it. Remembering the fact that Valentine's Day only means that fishing or baseball season is coming soon is not what your wife, girlfriend, or significant other wants to hear. For the most part, and for some reason, we have to let them know how much we love them and cherish them every February 14th. Why? I don't know. That's just the way it is. Personally, Terry and I decided a long time ago, and I'm glad about this. You know, we show our love to each other every day. We know how much we care about each other. So uh, we usually don't do anything too crazy for Valentine's Day. But uh, it's still a popular holiday among a lot of people, and most women expect to be treated like a queen every, you know, every February 14th. Now, men have no problem showing the love of their lives that we could not live without them every other day of the year, but God help us if we forget this one day. And if you do not heed this warning and forget, hey, that's on you. Don't say I didn't tell you. And uh, if you do forget, at that point, I think you're going to need to go out and spend some serious money on something a little bit more substantial. Jewelry with real gemstones usually works at that point, you know, if you forget. And, you know, by the way, you've got to be careful with the use of honey. I was going to take you out for dinner line. It does work, but it doesn't hold water if you use it more than once every four years. So, uh, and if you do, it's just going to wind up getting you deeper into trouble. So, you know, five years apart, yeah, you can go ahead and pull it off. But, uh, you know, uh, if you used it last year or the year before that or even the year before that, try not to. And, uh, you know, by the way, it, if you really want to take, uh, you know, advice uh, about things like that, you know, from me, uh, hey, you're looking at somebody that, you know, I'm an XCB. I'm nowhere near as qualified as Dr. Ruth. And if you still want to call up and ask questions about uh, anything that's going to require more than an IQ of 30 in the field of relationships, heck, feel free. Uh, yeah, I've been through, you know, a couple of wives, many, many relationships. But we can throw in some Isaac Hayes and, uh, you know, try to figure out what's going on. Uh, otherwise, I figure we'd uh, be talking about plants today and uh, maybe a little bit of stuff about, uh, you know, Valentine's Day, the meanings and everything between the different colors of roses. Yes, guys, they have to make it that much more difficult. Uh, you can't just get them flowers. Different colored flowers have different meanings to them. Uh, we'll get into that part later. 
But I did get an email, and I wanted to cover that in the beginning of the show this week. And uh, this has got nothing to do with Valentine's Day. Uh, the question is how to grow asparagus. And you plant asparagus in the early in the spring. As soon as you can stick a shovel in the ground is uh, when you uh, go ahead and uh, plant it. So I figured, you know, it might be a little bit early to be actually doing it, but now is really the time to talk about it. So I figured we can cover uh, that subject today, too. Now, one night, uh, my brother, uh, uh, my father had this bright idea of putting an asparagus bed. And... Of course, this was not a problem to him since he had a teenager to do all the heavy work for him. And no, it was not me. It was my brother, Fred. I was I was nine years younger than him, so I got away from this one, thank God. Now, I'm not... I'm pretty sure that Dad was planning on doing this job all along, but I wouldn't bet on it. Because at about 3, 3.30 in the morning, my brother snuck, was trying to sneak into the house... And uh, we had one of those old-fashioned metal cellar doors. He thought he was being quiet, but he woke up, you know, me, my father, <laughs> my mother. Uh, and he was tanked to the gills at that moment, too. So uh, I'm pretty sure that had a lot to do with the discussion that we had at breakfast the next morning. And... We heard the phrase, and even though it really didn't start to affect me yet, I was learning to dread the words that would come out of my father's mouth. Hey, I have an idea. At which point he looked at my brother and he said, go grab a shovel. Now, uh, as a kid, these words had that same type of impact, that, you know, that it would make your hairs rise up on the back of your neck. And the uh, fight-or-flight response began to kick in. As kids, we heard these words, and if we had a plausible way to leave the county, all you would see were our asses and elbows, because we would be just flying out the door trying to get away from my father. Uh, because Dad's ideas were usually accomplished with his good idea, with our sweat, whether uh, we liked the idea or not. Now, he seemed to have this notion that in order to put an asparagus bed, you had to dig down about three feet to prepare the soil. And uh, he wanted one that was about three feet long by about 12, 15 feet, uh, or three feet deep by 12, 15 feet long. And I'm pretty sure the depth and the length kind of grew with the... the amount of that my brother's suffering, too, uh, since he had the mother of all hangovers. Now, this was going to prove to be a really hard job since our groundwater table during that spring was, well, groundwater on that property back then was about 12 inches at best, and this was a really wet spring following a really wet winter. Uh the ground was totally waterlogged, and, you know, you step on it, and it was like walking in a sponge. So the second you stuck a so- uh, shovel into the ground, and also we didn't have that nice sandy soil that we have out here. Back there in New York, we had about a foot of, eight inches to a foot of topsoil, then it was down to hard clay. 
and uh, in this case, gooey clay, because it was all uh, waterlogged. And uh, there was actually some parts of our property that had enough water above the grass for fish to swim in, because uh, fish came out of, we had a little tiny pond in our front yard that we'd throw our shiners in and such, and they were out swimming around in the yard, so the ground was pretty wet. Now, uh, sometimes being the baby of the family has its advantages because I totally got out of this one. But I remember my poor brother out there digging away with me standing next to this massive trench to give him moral support. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sure he has different memories of this because I distinctly remember him telling me that it was not a garden that he was digging, but a grave for me. But, uh, yeah, I was out there to be nice to him. Now, not only did he have to dig out this trench, but my father had another great idea, and that was to take our tractor and trailer over to the neighbors who had horses and come back with a few loads of manure mixed with hay. And uh, he was to layer this mixture in a lasagna-type uh, fashion with the uh, soil and the clay. Now, actually, you don't want to add a high, high amount of nitrogen to the soil. Uh, so that's probably less than the uh, yield of, uh, you know, uh, asparagus, uh, <laughs> you know, down the line for us. But it made my brother do a little bit more work, and I think that was my dad's uh, bigger intention. Uh, yeah, nothing like mucking out a few cubic yards of horse manure, wet horse manure. But uh, this, uh, the writer of this email wants to put in a uh, patch about 15 by 30 feet. And since it was such a large area, I want to do a little bit of research to find out what exactly is the best way of doing this. Uh, you know, so you're not, you know, out there breaking your back unless you have, you know, three teenagers with hangovers that uh, you don't care about, you know, giving them the workload. Or if you happen to own a backhoe. And guess what? With the research that I did, I learned that it does not have to be dug that deep. And I hope Freddie's listening, too, so he learns that all of his digging served absolutely no real purpose other than making some cherished memories. Asparagus grows in most any soil as long as it has good drainage. And, uh, well, that year finding good drainage was not going to happen, but we popped it in anyhow. Now, waterlogged soils favor the uh, development of crown and uh, root rot for on asparagus. So uh, try to ensure that you've got good drainage. If you don't, if you've got a heavy clay soil, go ahead and add some uh, sandy uh, soil or even vermiculite into the mix to loosen it up. Now, select the all-male uh, hybrid asparagus uh, cultivars. There's uh, a couple of different types out there that are very good for this area. Jersey Giant, Jersey King, Jersey Prince, Jersey Knight will all do very, very well. And uh, the seeds are actually produced on the female pl plants, and they will fall to the ground and become uh, seeding. Uh, they'll start popping up and uh, growing as uh, regular plants. You can allow the garden to thicken up somewhat, but after a while, you have to start culling out these uh, new plants that are coming up because they will actually become a weed problem within themselves, and uh, which will 
result in decreased yields down the line. So you're going to have to keep uh, about at least uh, an inch or two between plants as, uh, you know, they try to reseed themselves. Now, you want to go ahead and buy, like I said, one-year-old healthy disease-free crowns. Uh, get them from a garden center or a mail and uh, mail order company. Uh, either will do fine. And each crown will produce about a half a pound of spears per year once fully established. The gardeners can plant the asparagus from seed. However, caring for the small seedlings until they can become established can be uh, time-consuming, too. So I definitely recommend starting off with the crowns. Okay, it looks like we've got a caller coming in, so we're going to go ahead and jump over the phone lines. But we have two open ones, too. Number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And let's see here. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Uh, this is Tom. Hey, Tom, what can we do for you? Okay, so after many, many years of failed growing uh, nice apples, uh, last year I got a bit of a late start, and so this year I need to know, last year you talked about a special kind of spray or a type of oil or something I need to put on the apple trees before they come out of dormancy, so mm-hmm. I need to learn from you when to do that and what that's called. Okay, it's uh, horticultural oil is uh, basically what it's called. And uh, you put that down, like uh, you just said, before the trees come out of dormancy, uh, which will be about mid to later in March. Uh, the buds will start popping. Uh, so you're not going to want to put it down yet, but uh, you want to spray the trees with this uh, once the, uh, you know, the weather warms up a bit. And what it does is it smothers any insects that are uh, overwintering on the uh, bark of the tree. You want to spray the entire tree, okay. uh, hit it good and heavy, especially, uh, you know, nooks and crannies and such in the, uh, on the trunk. And uh, you can do that, like I said, once uh, the, it warms up. And you can do it a couple of times, too, if you wish. Just make sure that you don't do it after the buds break. After the buds break, uh, if you hit it with the uh, hoard oil, you're going to ruin the uh, flower production on it. Okay. Okay. So so then, just just to clarify then, first of all, where can I buy that? Uh, Any landscape supply uh, store should have it. Uh, I believe you should even be able to get it over at Menards or uh, I don't know if Home Depot carries it. If not, uh, any of the co-ops in the area should uh, have it. Okay, okay, and then uh, I haven't in the past had very good luck with spring, so can you give me a little general information about how often and maybe your recommendation for what you use for spray? Okay, well, like I said, horticulture oil would be the one one that you're going to be putting down. Uh, They call it either dormant oil or horticultural oil. Uh, That's one that you put down. Okay. Uh, coming up, uh, going into the season, there is a few diseases that hit up apple trees. Uh, there's, uh, cedar apple rust, uh, there's anthracnose, tar spot, uh, leaf spot are all different, uh, diseases that will hit up an apple tree. And 
some apples are more uh, likely to get these diseases than others. Some are pretty uh, disease-resistant. Now, if you do happen to have uh, problems with the disease, you can go ahead and spray it and get on a spraying regimen with the fungicide. The fungi now, when you're getting spraying fungicides and insecticides, you're limited on your use of uh, products because you're spraying them on a crop-type uh, plant, you know, something you're going to be eating down the line. So uh, fungicide that I would recommend would be Captan, C-A-P-T-A-N. Okay. Again, you would pick it up at a horticultural, you know, a horticultural uh, supply outlet. Uh, it usually comes in like a wettable powder form, so you would uh, mix that up with water. Uh, since it is a wettable powder, it will settle after you get done spraying it. So you don't want to store the stuff inside a sprayer and, uh, you know, come back, you know, a couple of months later thinking you're going to reuse that sprayer again because all that stuff's going to settle into concrete down the bottom. So whatever you mix up, use. <laughs> okay. And... Uh, You'll also get, it will give you a look at the label itself, and it will tell you exactly for, you know, different crops on that. It's labeled for use on vegetable crops and fruit trees and uh, such. And it will tell you how often you need to spray it per crop for whatever problems you're trying to hit. And you're going to want to follow that, uh, you know, uh, if you're trying to control dollar spot, you might have to spray it every three weeks. Uh, and, you know, just follow the directions that are on the label. The, everything that you will need to know is right there. Okay? And how about the first the first spring? I just need to know what uh, where the buds should be or when do I spray it the first time with that, Captain? The, it really depends on what your, uh, type of fungus you're trying to go against. Uh, I don't okay. know what ones have hit the uh, tree in the past. If you would pick up uh, the package... You can look it up online. Uh, you can do a search for labels and MSDSs. Uh, that's Material Safety Data Sheets. Okay. And uh, okay. look up Captan, and you can see the product label right there and read the entire product label. And that way there, you know, you can uh, have a good idea beforehand, you know, before you even go out to buy it, uh, when you're going to need to uh, use it and how much you're going to need to apply and stuff like that. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. I enjoy your program. Oh, you're quite welcome, and thanks for listening. You have a great day now. You bet. Bye-bye. Goodbye, night. And, yeah, whenever you're spraying uh, crops uh, of any sort, be it uh, vegetable garden, uh, fruit or nut trees, always make sure that the pesticides that you're using, be it a fungicide or a... Uh, a uh, insecticide is labeled for use on crop plants. Okay, we got one more caller. Hopefully, we can fit them in before we go to the break. Good morning, you're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? This is Lori. Hi, Lori. What can I do for you? Hi. Yeah, I've got a purple leaf sand cherry bush and a burning bush. Mm -hmm. Hasn't been doing real good the last couple years. Okay. I thought about cutting it all the way to the ground mm -hmm. and starting over. Is that something I could should do and um I wouldn't go quite that far with it. Uh Okay. Okay, both of them are stone fruits. Now, when you're saying they haven't been doing that good, uh describe to me the problems that you're having. 
They just don't leaf out. Um, there's a lot of dead branches in there. Let me ask you this. On the dead branches, are you seeing like a black, a weirdish black growth on the uh, branches themselves? Kind of like, no. like, kind of like a no, fungus, just... but not? No. No. Okay. No black growth. Uh, any green, like, uh, uh, canker-type uh, growths on the branches? No. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, that's I think we had a hard a hard winter a few years ago, and someone told me that that's why. Okay, that's very... a hard winter? Mm-hmm. They don't like harsh winters. We're right on the uh, border right. for them. So uh, what you want to do is make sure the tree stay, uh, gets uh, plenty of uh, moisture during the season. You don't want it to dry out if we happen to go into a dry spell. And uh, be aware of signs of uh, disease. Uh, sand cherries and uh, prunicistina, the purple leaf uh, plums, have unfortunately quite a few diseases that hit them. Uh, one of them, the worst one, is black knot. That's what I was worried about. Uh, you'll see the black growth on the uh, stems. Uh, if you start to see that, prune that out immediately and uh, get it away from the tree. Uh, mm-hmm. And you may have to hit it up with a uh, fungicide during the season, too, uh, if you start okay. to see any uh, disease problems you know, occurring. Okay? Okay. And um, but uh, how long is it? Cutting it, cutting it way back, would, I mean, is that? I'm, I would not do not. that, no. You're okay. just going to uh, add more stress to the tree. Okay. Uh, so uh, I would go ahead and uh, cut out any dead material that you have and, uh, you know, try to spring uh, what's live back to uh, vigorous growth. You can give it uh, some fertilizer, pop in some fertilizer stakes, and uh, you should be good to go. Okay? Okay. I will give it a shot. Okay. Good luck with that. Great. Thanks for Thank calling. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. And that's going to take us uh, to our uh, first break. We'll be right back here at 1410 WYZM in just a couple of minutes. And we're back here at 1410 WYZM, the Plant Doctor Show. We had one caller come in just as we're going to the break. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, take him now. And uh, we still have two open lines, too, for any plant or gardening questions. 608-785-7914. And that person just hung up. Oh, well, hopefully give us a phone call back. Again, that number is 608-785-7914. Okay, and uh, until he gives us a call back, we're going to go ahead and start talking about a little bit of the Valentine's Day stuff. Uh, and, yeah, you know, women are born with, it's like the millennials today. You know, they're born with this innate ability to look at a computer and understand it right away. I mean, three-year-olds know more than I do about computers. So, uh, and women are born the same way with, I guess, they come, you know, preloaded with all the facts of the meaning of colors, of roses and flowers and stuff like that, and they understand the meanings, uh, which is great. I've got no problems with that, but guys don't really get it. You know, we think we see flower, good. Uh, we'll give it to you, and you'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is big differences between women and guys. Uh, guys are really easy to, uh, you know, please. Uh, we have our feelings we wear on our sleeves. You know, they're out there for everybody to see. 
and uh, make us happy, just, you know, beer, hot wings, you know, let us go hunting or, you know, stuff like that, and we're good to go. Uh, but women, they're a little bit more intricate and challenging to understand because a lot of uh, stuff, uh, uh, it's not so open with them. So I figure it would be best to go over a few of these uh, meanings of different colors of roses and some flowers and stuff like that just to make sure you don't get yourself in Dutch over the uh, Valentine's Day. Now, red of any hue... And uh, when talking about roses, uh, basically uh, signifies love and respect and desire. A deep red implies unconscious beauty. Now, I always thought white roses were, you know, very uh, pretty, but and I always preferred them actually. Uh, I know they don't last for as long, but they are an. Ex- extremely delicate, beautiful-looking flower. And they signify spiritual love, purity, uh, secrecy, and reverence. And it's also supposed to say, I'm worthy of your love. And mind you, I had to, yes, I had to research all this stuff. I had no idea about it beforehand. So I've been doing the show for a couple of years, but, you know, each year... Uh, a little bit more of it gets memorized, but most of it goes in one ear and out the other, even though I'm the one that uh, wrote it down. Uh, but you know, these things we have to remember. Now, a yellow rose. Uh, today, a yellow rose means joy, freedom, or gladness, or friendship. So it's totally appropriate that if you know, you're at work and, uh, you know, You've got a good office buddy, uh, not a buddy with benefits, but, you know, just a good female friend uh, at the office, and you want to give her something on Valentine's Day because, you know, she's a good friend. A yellow rose would be appropriate for that uh, case. You don't want to give a yellow rose to your wife unless she happens to like yellow roses. Uh, But uh, historically, they meant, believe it or not, a decrease of love, a jealousy, and knowing of infidelity. So if you were to give uh, somebody a yellow rose uh, about 100 years ago, it had a totally different meaning to it. And it usually meant that you, hey, guess what? I know about what you've been doing behind my back. But not so much anymore. Now, a coral rose means that you desire a person. Uh, so, you know, hey, if you're trying to get a date with somebody, uh, uh, you like them, you don't know how they feel about you, a coral rose would be a proper color to get in that instance. Ah, the good old black rose. Uh, aside, unless uh, you happen to be dating a goth, uh, black roses pretty much still signify what they've always signified, death, hate, and farewell. So, uh, you know, black, uh, the meaning has not changed a whole heck of a lot. Although I have seen presentations of black and white roses uh, that were just absolutely beautiful and stunning. 
but uh, for Valentine's Day, maybe that's not the route that you want to go. Peach-colored roses. Now, this color symbolizes the sweetness and gratitude and appreciation and uh, sympathy. Uh, so, uh, if somebody's had a death in their family and, you know, you're wanting to give them some flowers, you know, cheer them up or whatever, peach-colored roses would be the, uh, right-colored rose in that respect. Uh, if you've just moved into a new place and your next-door neighbor, uh, brings you over, you know, some, uh, casseroles or what have you. Maybe some pies or, you know, whatever to make you feel, you know, uh, liked in the neighborhood. Uh, and you want to show a little bit of gratitude back. A bouquet of peach-colored roses would be great. Uh, they also mean, please believe me, which generally means that even though I want you to believe you, I'm probably going to be lying, so don't believe me. Uh, so uh, I wouldn't use peach roses for that case, even though they're saying that that's what it stands for. Uh, orange roses, even. They stand for fascination and enthusiasm. Uh, I can't think of a instance where you'd use an orange rose, if that's its meaning. Uh, maybe for a race car driver or something? I don't know. But... Uh, yeah, the fascination and enthusiasm are, is what orange signifies. Lavender. Now we're getting back into the love. Uh, it stands for enchantment and love at first sight and uniqueness. So, yeah, if, uh, let's see, Valentine's Day is Tuesday. So if this weekend you go out on a date with a girl, you know, a first date, and you happen to, you know, Hit it off really good with her. Uh, getting her some lavender roses would be appropriate. You know, uh, letting her know love at first sight and you admire their uniqueness. Now, light pink roses, on the other hand, imply grace. Uh, something that you'd like to give a sweetheart. Gladness, uh, joy, and admiration. Dark pink roses... Why the heck do they have to have so many difference in pink roses? There's light pink, dark pink, pale pink, rose, 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 okay. But uh, a rose, rose, yeah. Okay, back to this. Light pink uh, implies uh, grace or you're giving it to a sweetheart, joy and admiration. Dark pink is thankfulness. So well, you know, if you're trying to thank somebody, again, dark pink would work. Uh, pale pink symbolizes friendship. Now, that's the roses themselves, the colors of the roses. This other stuff I didn't even know existed, but you can give a rose leaf. And this says to the receiver that you may hope, whatever that means. Uh, now, okay, well, let's just let that one drop. That one seems too weird giving leaves to roses. I can just imagine what giving a stem full of thorns uh, signifies. Combinations of roses also have different meanings. A single rose, simplicity, of course. Uh, two roses joined together, uh, a symbol of engagement. Well, I, okay, I can understand that. 
a dozen roses every guy knows. This one we know about. Uh, the ultimate declaration of love is uh, a dozen red roses. Uh, red and white roses together signify unity. Red and yellow roses signify happy feelings. And red and roses uh, also together can offer congratulations. Yellow and orange roses together imply passionate thoughts. Uh, really? Okay. They even break it down to, you know how uh, sometimes when you give a rose, you can have uh, a wide open rose, you know, a fully blown rose, and some more tighter buds. You can have... According to this, a full-blown rose over two buds implies secrecy. A rosebud with no leaves and thorns means I fear no longer, I hope. A rosebud with neither leaves or thorns also means that there's nothing to fear. And, you know, the roses don't corner the market either on uh, having special meanings. Uh, it, of course, it couldn't be that easy for us. We also have to know about different flower meanings and, uh, you know, what they all have, all the things that they entail. An almond blossom. I don't even know what an almond blossom looks like. Uh, that's a symbol of uh, hope, sweetness, and delicacy. Anemone is withered hopes, a dying love. Maybe that would be right if you're trying to, you know, rekindle something going on. I don't know. Uh, an arbovitae. Who in the hell would give a friend an arbovitae? Wow, that's just plain weird. But, uh, okay, sure, whatever. Uh, an arbovitae means unchanging uh, friendship. A bleeding heart, a symbol of undying love. The petals of the uh, perennial flower are slightly uh, united into flattened, heart-shaped, or spurred corollas. Uh, its colors are yellow, white, red, pink, or ivory, and they bloom in the spring. And it's just a symbol of your undying love. Okay, enough of that. Uh, maybe we'll get back to a little bit when we come back, but we've got to take a break, take care of a little bit of business and some weather. Back here at 14 w, 1410 WYZM in just a minute. Okay, uh, we've got a couple minutes left to the show. If you've got a question about anything green or growing, please go ahead and give me a phone call. We don't have anybody on right now, so you get right through. 608-785-7914 is the phone number. And uh, before we get back into the show, I did want to mention one more time that, uh, and since this is the Plant Doctor show and I'm the Plant Doctor, I can get away with doing this, uh, but I said it on Dan's deals earlier. Uh, we are happy to be looking for a beautician, a retired beautician, uh, to come over to work on my mother-in-law's hair. Uh, it would probably be light cutting, maybe curling, I don't know, whatever you beauticians do. Uh, but she is housebound now at this point, so uh, you would have to make it house call. And if this feels like something uh, that you'd be willing to do, Go ahead and give Terry a buzz. Her phone number is 498 
And again, that number is 498-0104. Okay, now back to talking about um, Valentine's Day and the meanings of some of these flowers and such. You know, I don't understand why men should not have to understand all these different colors of flowers and stuff like that. It is just way too much. Guys never ask women to understand that, you know, many things. So why do we have to get all this down? And who in the hell made these rules anyhow? Uh, and things about these flowers. It seems kind of strange, if you ask me, that all these different flowers have different meanings and such. And I'm not even sure if women understand all the uh, these things. Maybe it's just somebody... Who, it works in a floor shop came up with this. Who knows? But uh, clover, of course, they have to break it down to both types of clover, red and white. Uh, white clover means think of me. Okay. Uh, if I ever gave a bouquet of clover to some girl, I don't think they'd think too much of me. Yeah, you stopped out in my lawn and picked me some weeds. Okay, red clover. Uh, is a symbol of industry. Yeah, okay, sure. Why would you give that to a girl? Columbine is a symbol of folly. Okay, whatever. Uh, uh, purple Columbine, however, means resolve to win. A daisy is a symbol of innocence. Yeah, okay, I can understand that, you know. Uh, kids playing with daisies and, you know, making daisy chains and stuff like that. I can see where innocence would be in that case. Seriously? Dead leaves? They actually have dead leaves in this uh, list. Uh, it symbolizes sadness. Okay, yeah. It also symbolizes something that I'd probably give, you know, one of my exes. Uh, nightshade? Seriously? Wow. Well, at least it's a symbol of lying. So maybe if you kept somebody in a lie, give them some nightshade. Uh, need to be careful, though, because uh, then you might get you know, busted for murder, too, if they happen to eat the stuff. Uh, a fern symbolizes fascination. Forget-me-not is a symbol of true love. Uh, of course it does. Uh, fuchsia plant uh, means... When you give somebody a fuchsia plant, you're telling them that they have good taste. Uh, a geranium is a symbol of preference. Goldenrod. Okay, well, that's one that only comes out at one time of the year. Uh, in the fall, uh, that one's be cautious. I mean, some of these are... Okay, I'm going to start skipping some of these because they're just flat-out dumb. Uh Ivy, a symbol of fidelity. Lady Slipper, uh, win me and wear. Okay, no, we're not going to go there. Uh, a lily is a symbol of uh, flirtation uh, or purity and uh, sweetness. A yellow lily is a symbol of uh, that you're catching somebody lying. Lily in the valley symbolizes a return of happiness. Oh, wow, this stuff's getting pretty thick. Okay, I think we're going to have to let that drop. Yeah, uh, it's getting a little bit too deep here. But 
No, next week we'll come back and we'll start talking about maybe uh, prepping for gardens and such and uh, what we need to uh, be thinking about this time of year, looking ahead to the spring. And hopefully I'll be a little bit more put back together again after our move. But, uh, hey, it is what it is. We'll be back here next week at 1410 WYZM. Until then, remember, anybody can have a green thumb. All you need is a can of paint.